Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. I'm your host, Stu Greenwood, and I'm joined, as always, by Tom King. Hi. Hi, and Chris Evans. Hello. Hello. Um, well, what did you think of that then, guys? I that, I thought that was okay. I don't know about you, but I thought that was a pretty good race for a Monaco. For Monaco, I think it was pretty decent, yeah. Um, I, I, which, not, not the greatest yardstick to measure against, but... No, no, true. But I think g- given that the last sort of, what, three races before that were a little bit meh, then I feel like this yeah, was true. A, we needed a good race and we got one, I think. Tom, what did you think? Did you enjoy it? Mm, debatable. <laughs> debatable. Oh, my I, um, goodness. I need convincing. So wow, that is okay. your task well, this episode. That's my, <laughs> mission. my mission for today <laughs> is to convince you that Monaco Grand Prix was actually a good race. So <laughs> I'll start that mission by um, starting in qualifying where Leclerc went out in Q1 due to a Ferrari strategy error because that's never happened before, has it? Mm, yeah, who could have seen that coming? Why did they? Why didn't they put him out for another lap? I cannot believe they didn't give him another lap. It was insane. What? Someone explain to me what they were thinking. I've got nothing. I don't think they were thinking. Isn't that the problem? <laughs> <laughs> the only only reason you do that is to save tires. But everyone yeah. was going to this weekend saying it's a one stop race. Monaco is always a one stop race. So mm. there's zero reason for him not to be out there. Yeah, more on that later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, really, really, really baffling. And he was livid afterwards. Yeah, absolutely beside him. So it's not often you see a, a driver in their garage looking really cross with their team. <laughs> really, no. They're normally quite like withdrawn and they'll just sort of keep their head down and, and, and talk, you know, and, and, and get on with it. But like, I actually saw him go up to the the strategists on the wall inside the garage, and you you could see him verbally say to the guy, "What what, what are you doing? Why don't you let me out?" Kind of thing. Was that yeah, effect? Yeah. You could see him like asking the questions with a look on his face, just to say, "What on earth were you thinking?" <laughs> um, we had a few bits of that this weekend, actually. <laughs> yeah, um, it was yeah, it was just one of those classic Ferrari. What the heck are we doing here? Moments, wasn't it really? Especially off the back of him topping FP3 as well. He was he had yeah. really wound it up throughout the practice sessions and was looking very, very quick. And then they just leave him sat in the pits while everyone else goes faster. And then just to add yeah. insult to injury, it was Vettel who finally put in the lap that knocked him out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that was a sweet irony of ironies, I thought. It really <laughs> I actually, was. I quite I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy that. <laughs> Um, cruel man (laughs) and well it was was just something really really poetic about a Ferrari knocking a Ferrari out because of Ferrari (laughs) because Ferrari yeah 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 Um, yeah so that was that Um, put that put Leclerc in a very very compromised position for the race uh, the next day Um, a new lap record was set in qualifying by Hamilton for pole Uh, it was a 110-166 um, fastest ever lap around this configuration of Monaco. Um, 
That's pretty pretty impressive. Um, I saw a thing earlier on the Formula One website that apparently there's some special new steering that they've been using for um, the 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 hair, the Lowe's hairpin. Get, trying to get, I'm tr- desperately trying to get the names right at the corners. <laughs> you really should at Monaco, shouldn't you? You should really. And uh, they're getting, they're actually getting like uh, ever so slightly more steering lock on the inside wheel. They did seem to have a much easier time with it, didn't they? Like normally, there's like one yeah. line through that corner, and if you're not on that one line, you're going to struggle. Whereas you actually saw people taking slightly different lines through and still getting round. I mean, there was still like the usual someone tries to overtake and just ends up going nowhere kind of situations, but. Yeah, it definitely seemed easier than normal for them. Especially considering how long the things are these days. Yeah, they're like freaking boats these days. Yeah, for sure. So uh, if you go to the F1 website, they've done like a Tech Tuesday piece on it. And um, that's where I saw it today. I've not actually read the whole thing because I only saw it just before we started recording. But um, I'm going to read it (laughs) eventually. Yeah, sounds interesting. (laughs) But yeah, that's... (laughs) I intend to. (laughs) uh, It looks like that's how they've found that extra bit of pace. Yeah. also in qualifying, Grosjean was held up by Gasly, um, um, earning Gasly a free place grid drop, and uh, Giovinazzi imp- impeded Hulkenberg also getting a free place grid shot. Yeah, Gasly actually qualified fifth, um, but would start the race in eighth position. Um, so that promoted Magnussen up to sixth, and Ricardo, up, sorry, up to fifth, and Ricardo up to sixth, and Kvyat up to seventh. Uh, one thing I did really enjoy about that was uh, afterwards when Grosjean got interviewed and they were like, how about Gasly blocking you or whatever? And Grosjean said, hey, poor guy, he got, didn't get told anything. Um, I think Red Bull massively effed that one up. Pierre couldn't do anything, which was quite nice of him, I thought. He actually had some sympathy for the guy who had just knackered his qualifying and kind of his weekend. Yeah, yeah. well, not only that, they had um, he, he was having to watch out for Verstappen behind as well on a lap. So he, he was just suddenly yeah. found himself in absolutely no man's land. And, and Grosjean could have easily found himself with a penalty of his own if he'd not managed to get out of the way of Verstappen. So um, it, was a, yeah. it, was, it, was unlu- it was unlucky and lucky all at the same time. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, and then Giovinazzi impeded Hulkenberg um, for like minor places further down. Um, so onto the race. Um, Leclerc clearly pulled his anger from Q2 into the race with him because he was. <laughs> I mean, you could see from the outside he was way overdriving that car from the start, I thought. What about you guys? This was a bit that was entertaining. Yeah. The however many laps it lasted. Uh, (laughs) Angry Charles. Yeah, Angry Charles. Nine or ten. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so he he got past Grosjean early doors. Um, and it was a. I thought that was a really tasty move, the one one that he did by Grosjean down to the Raskas. Proper elbows out. He, He did his thing. Yeah. Um, it was it was a classic Raskas. I'm going to put myself here. You can either get out my way or have a crash. Yeah, kind exactly. Of we can either block the yeah. road together. Like that's the only way to pass there. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was that. And then a couple of laps later, he was trying to get past Hulkenberg. And he what what happened there was he just nicked his his right rear wheel on against the barrier. Did you spot that? How he he sort of yeah, yeah there was no actually contact between them, was there? Yeah, yeah. So he made contact with it, it <clears> spun <throat> him round, and um, that gave him a puncture. Um, it wasn't until he got a, a good way around the track that the puncture really started to uh, have it take effect. But when it did, my goodness, that wheel just that well that tire just came to bits, didn't it? It absolutely shredded his floor. 
Yeah, it didn't help that he was driving it back in anger because I was going to say he he was really ragging that car back and did a lot more damage to the floor than he would have done if he'd been a little more careful for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, it cost him his his entire race, didn't it? He he retired as a result. Yeah. yeah. Then again, he kind of knew his race was over on Saturday, didn't he? I mean, what was that? Him just being angry. And not thinking about the consequences of driving too quickly with a flat tire, or was that him thinking at this point I'm just going to break as much of my car as possible so I can get out of it? As soon as possible? I mean, <laughs> yeah, that it did occur to me that like it definitely had the look of someone <laughs> who was very, very angry, even while he was in the car at that point. Like it looked like it, yeah, yeah, it looked like he stopped caring. Absolutely, I think I'm with you. Yeah. He did, um, because it's very rare you see a car going round any track full speed with a puncture like that. And he was just going for it. So, yeah. And you could see yeah. the bits just disintegrating off it, absolutely decapitating his car. Um, yeah, it was carnage. He left bits of Ferrari just around about half of the yeah. circuit. It was no wonder yeah, from, he had to pull a safety car pretty, for it. Pretty much from out of the tunnel all the way back to the pits. It's just <laughs> yeah. strewn Ferrari floor. So it's a track peppered with Ferrari. <laughs> I guess the other thing is in Monaco, he knows that if he breaks his car, he can be back in his apartment in about 20 minutes' That's time. That's true. Yeah. That's very true. <laughs> Most of them can for that matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, that brought out a safety car while they cleared up the, uh, the the debris, the bits of Ferrari from the track. Um, and yeah, like it, one thing I saw as, as the safety car came in and everyone was making their pit stops, did you notice Bottas like, sort of held up the pack a little bit as Hamilton went in ahead of him? Yes. Like, no one's really... Yeah, he, ba- he backed off... To kind of get the gap, didn't he, for the double stack? Yeah. But that's a bit naughty. He that. was definitely, he was pushing what's allowed. Like you can, yeah. There's a, there's a rule to number of car lengths, isn't yeah. there? And he was very much pushing the boundaries and on the that. The number of, that rule is there precisely for this situation to stop a teammate mm. holding up the rest of the uh, the pack to give his his leading friend, his leading, his leading friend, his leading teammate, a chance to have a free pit stop. That's the whole point of the rule. And they, yeah, they absolutely pushed that one yeah. to its limits. I thought, um, yeah. So I'm glad you spotted that. I, I didn't, I, not many people. It d- didn't really get much of a mention on the uh, on the comms, but it, yeah, they they kind of pointed out how he dropped back. I think Croft might have said he needs to be careful because of how far back he was dropping, but because he didn't really end up breaking the rule like kind of got forgotten about didn't it nobody brought it back up yeah i wonder i i wonder if if they'd not had that because obviously during this pit stop phase this is when there was a bit of drama and verstappen and went into bottas i wonder if that had not happened whether they'd have looked at that a bit more closely and bottas might have got a penalty you know possibly Mm, possibly. yeah yeah so during the pit stops um everyone dives in uh verstappen as we said, drove into Bottas and um, it punct- that actually punctured, um, gave, gave Bottas a slow puncture. And if you, I don't know if you guys have seen this either, but like the, did you see the wheel rim afterwards? Yeah, it properly yeah. cracked the wheel rim. Yeah, didn't yeah, it? It had a big crack in it and that was causing a slow puncture. So we had to pit for a second time almost immediately after. And um, it actually switched from the medium tyre, interestingly, to the the harder tyre. So at that point in the race, if Hamill, if Bottas had not, got that puncture he would have been in the same situation as hamilton for the entire race on the mediums yeah mercedes were either banking on that tire lasting longer than it did or rain yeah but 
I think that scenario for both Lewis, as I'm sure we'll come to, and then and Valtteri in the, his initial stop, I think that is possibly one of the first strategic issues we've seen from Mercedes all year so mm, far. Definitely. Yeah. That was a bad call, in my opinion, because yeah, everybody definitely. else seemed to get it except them. Yeah. Um, and it, that's usually the moment where we find ourselves pointing a finger at Ferrari for something like that. Yeah. And it felt a little out of place to be seeing it as a Mercedes mistake. Uh, but it it shows how on it they usually are for it to be so obvious that, oh, wow, Mercedes might have made a mistake here. Like <laughs> when Ferrari do it, we sort of, we've come to expect it almost. Yeah. But when Mercedes do it, it's a bit of a shock because they, they're yeah. usually quite good at this kind mm. of thing. At the at the time in the moment, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try and keep it because we're gonna come back to this. But in the moment, it didn't actually seem like much of a mistake. It almost it was almost kind of it, yeah. It looked like it would be okay because it was it was unclear the way the race was going to go at that point. Um, but yeah, let's come back to that in a bit because later on, obviously, it became clear that the tires weren't going to last. And yeah, and they weren't the only ones. To be fair, um, uh, who was it? Magnussen and Ricardo were the other two that pitched into the safety car that also yeah. put mediums on. So it's not like they were complete outliers in doing it. Mm. So we'll come back to that. Um, I'm going to talk about Verstappen because yep. Verstappen caused this accident into and and drove Bottas into the wall. It was an uns- it was very clearly an unsafe release. Um, only got a five second penalty. Do you think? Do you guys think that was too lenient? It's for me. It's it varies because they've got they take into consideration the whole situation, and I think part of what's being considered is the fact that there were two pit crews in the way that made it very difficult for them to see yeah. that he was coming. Um, and I think that's maybe part and parcel of it because I'll bet if you got a view from the Red Bull pit box looking down the pit lane, all you can see is Ferrari red. And I bet you they had no idea Bottas was coming. And I know they have the little um, kind of monitor light system on the opposite side of the, the pits from them so that they've got an idea of what's coming. But I think in a split second, if that's either not showing the information they need or it's they've seen it but seen it too late i think that maybe that's why we saw a slightly less harsh penalty than we might see at another circuit because of the nature of the monaco pits is quite yeah, unique it's very well they're very tight aren't they all the pit boxes to each other and yeah. can i just say how cool they look when they do i mean when they do all pit like that in such a tight space it is amazing that there aren't more accidents and more more yeah. shunts and bumps kind of thing like the way they whip out of those pit boxes is just, I mean, it's yeah. so, so tight. It's amazing. Um, Chris, you had, did yeah. you have something? But I mean, yeah, I mean, I th- I th- while I, I get the argument that like, yes, they couldn't really see and it was a busy pit lane. The kind of reverse side of that is surely when you're in the tightest pit lane on the on the calendar, you know you came in behind Bottas that's not a time to be flinging your car out into the pit lane and hoping for the best. Like yeah. they know he was coming. Yeah, I I agree with you, but as well, like what if Bottas is having a slow pit and yeah, you've not got a it's... wheel on you? They can't bank on the fact that oh, Bottas hasn't come past it. You yeah, know, yeah, totally. let's wait for him. You can't use that as a guide. Totally, I don't think. But, but it, I, it I do see your point. One. I do see your point. Mm. Yeah, 
And I think that probably is, as you say, why they did decide on the most lenient penalty they could give. I also think as well, it's the factor of the impact of the penalty because that five-second penalty is far harsher um, here than it would be anywhere else. Yeah, That five-second yeah. penalty in another race could have done absolutely nothing, whereas here it's demoted him from, even if he'd got ahead of Lewis, he could have still potentially been off the podium and in fourth place. Mm. So he could have gone from leading the race to fourth quite easily with that five-second penalty alone. Mm. So I think maybe the factor of bigger picture how it plays out as well is maybe mm. the, the proportion uh, because it puts him back behind Bottas which is ultimately what they're trying to achieve isn't it without affecting the race too much I guess yeah yeah any other track he'd have just overtaken Hamilton and driven down the road and made up that five seconds but I guess exactly in this situation that's not going to happen yeah the the it yeah it put behind Bottas it sucks for Bottas because it cost him second place um, mm. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, like, to, to be honest, the fact that he had to pit again, he's lucky he still got third. Yeah, yeah. Um, him, so him pitting again in in a roundabout way that it has it did kind of make his race easier for him because yeah, he True. ended up stuck behind um, Vettel, and obviously he was never he was going to struggle, always going to struggle to get past Vettel, but. If he'd been on the medium tire, I reckon Verstappen probably would have gotten past him and taken second that way. So net result, I think ultimately might have finished the same way. Although saying that it is Monaco and it's very difficult to overtake, so it might not have. But that's a that's a whole lot of um, conjecture for you there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. Um, so over overall, probably the right penalty. Then we're saying, aren't we? Uh, I think they got off a little lightly. I I would maybe have leaned to a slightly harsher one, but I can understand the reasons for it. Out, out of interest, let me let's let me just look at the official times. I'd be interested to see where a ten second penalty might have put him, because um, that's an option as well, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, Race result. He so, would have dropped him behind Gasly, but no further back. So yeah, it would have cost so him he'd one have lost place. another place mm. if he'd have had another five seconds on it. Yeah, but yeah, anything anything worse than that, realistically, he's going to struggle to drop as far back as sort of Sainz and Kvyat, who were the in the best of the rest battle. Um, so, yeah. Interestingly, though, one thing they could have done, which apparently they discussed on the radio, was when he was in second behind Hamilton, knowing he had the five second penalty, uh, pit him. He'd have dropped out. Uh, behind Gasly but with something like 40 seconds back to signs um, drop off Gasly a bit and then go for a fastest lap and he actually would have probably come out with um, one more point <laughs> than he did if he'd gone for the fastest lap instead That's the apparently they discussed that on the radio and yeah exactly yeah. Yeah, but Verstappen was like now nah, more interested in trying to take the lead even though I know I'm not actually going to win it so yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. He's a racer, isn't he? He wants to win it yeah. on the track. It, exactly. Yeah. It was a sh- I mean, it's more of a team mistake as well because at the end of the day, like it's not Verstappen's fault. The team let him out of the pits. He went out of the pits and it just so happened that there was a Mercedes yeah, there definitely. Like he just As soon as those lights go green, as we've said, as soon as the lights go green, you are um, you just go, don't you? Um, so yeah. yeah, so that was that's Verstappen. Next thing to happen was there was a bit of a roadblock to um, Giovinazzi trying to get by Kubica. This is a very ambitious move from Giovinazzi, wasn't it? 
Yeah, in, in that it was basically never going to happen. Yeah. So yes, quite yeah. ambitious. It looked like he locked up. It looked like he sort of uh, kind of realised it wasn't going to work and then just locked up and went into him anyway. And Yeah, which you can't do at Monaco. I'm actually amazed that they got... I was expecting the red flag at that point. I'm amazed that they all got on all got going again yeah um and this this is before uh, leclerc's even retired still as well you know <laughs> yeah that i was just about to say that is possibly one of the things i think maybe made him want to give up because he was stuck at the back of all that and he pulled up to the back of it like what what is happening what is yeah. going on and then it wasn't long after that where he radioed in and said oh the car doesn't feel right whereas before he was saying i'm not saying i want to give up but how bad is the damage so he was mm-hmm. asking but then that happened yeah. and he was like yeah this this car's undrivable guys i'm coming in yeah <laughs> so i think that that delay just made him think there's there is no yeah. point this is not my day how bad is the damage <laughs> well your floor's gone so pretty yeah. pretty bad <laughs> um, you've destroyed the car <laughs> yeah so but yeah ama- amazing amazing that they all got going again without sort of yeah. Without really yeah, any really major was, disruption, they all just see, seemed to just get going again. I was honest; I was one hundred percent ready for a red flag at that point, but it never came. Yeah, and nor did mm. the rain that we were expecting or wanting <laughs> or wishing for the whole time. Sadly, no. not. Um, there was a few a few spots on camera lenses, but nothing wet enough to uh, throw anyone into a barrier. So, um, not that we want people yeah. getting thrown into barriers, but it would have wouldn't have half spiced up this race. Um, Brain at Monaco is always fun. Yeah, it is. It's true. Um, someone who wouldn't have found it fun, though, would have been Lance Stroll, who had a absolute... <laughs> he looked out of his depth to me this weekend, Lance Stroll. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, but absolutely. He was the moving chicane. He was literally in the way of everyone. He was in the way of the race leaders. He was ignoring blue flags. He was just... He couldn't do anything. He looked like he couldn't do anything right on track from where I was sitting. And And slow. Yeah, he had some moments where I was cursing his name, in all honesty. Like... I know he gets a lot of flack for the pay drive kind of thing, but this weekend he like he really just wound me up. Like moves on, sort of it, the way he chopped off Kimmy at one point. It was quite early on in the race, to be honest. Before some of the stuff we've even already talked about, but the way he chopped Kimmy off at one point, coming out of the hairpin, just had echoes of when he chopped Lando off in Spain a couple of weeks ago. And it made yeah. me think back to what we were saying about uh, maybe Lando should have been smart there, backed out of it, but he'll learn. And it just makes me think Stroll does not know what's behind him at any point in any race whatsoever because it was almost like mirror image of what happened. Mm. Just like cutting across somebody that was clearly yeah. still somewhere in his blind spot. Yeah, yeah, it's just... It's not. I mean, like we we talked last week about how well the rookies were going to do at their first time at Monaco. Stroll looked more of a rookie than any of the three actual people who've never driven an F one car at Monaco before. Yeah. He's had he's had a go at it in the past. Yeah, he was just really, really like you said, just out of his depth for sure. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I'm not going to stick on it for too long because it's kind of negative, isn't it? And he's he's a you know we've given him a lot of grief over the years, so. Yeah, we'll just uh, we'll just <laughs> yeah. we'll just touch on that one. Um, Vettel couldn't get close to uh, the guys ahead of him, so he was he was overheating um, every time he got close, and he, he looked like he did look quicker. He actually did look quicker, I thought, than Verstappen. But just every time mm. he got close, his his engine, everything was just getting too hot, and um, he couldn't make a move. And realistically, like we've said, getting around anyone at, at, in Monaco is such a challenge that 
when you're in third place and you're looking at taking a podium, then you know you're gonna well third position on track, but actually a net second. Then why? In a car that's not even yeah. as fast as a Mercedes, that you're never going to beat, then why yeah. why uh, why push too hard? Um, speaking of Mercedes, Hamilton on the wrong tires. Let's go back to it. Him and him and Verstappen. Um, that was a hell of a duel, I thought, for those lap for those how what sixty seven laps on um, on the medium tire. It was yeah um, yeah yeah that so that let's talk about this the media so the decision. Let's go back to the decision by Mercedes. Um, obviously they've admitted it was the wrong decision. Like James Vowles, uh, admitted after the race to camera to, to the uh, Mercedes uh, Twitter sort of guy, um, that they did make the wrong tire selection, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is quite rare. You don't often see the, the admitting that they were wrong. And it, and it, and it did pain him easy to, do, to do when you've still won though. Yeah. It's easy to do when you're still wrong. But like my, so my feeling on it is, was it the wrong decision? Because you are at Monaco and we all saw what Mansell and uh, Senna did all those years ago. The car behind was clearly much, much, much faster. And yet it couldn't get by yeah. because Monaco. And it's exactly the same situation here. So is there such a thing as a wrong tyre to be on? The, the thing for me with it all is that if... <laughs> If they were doing it with the anticipation that they may need to stop again, yes, that makes sense. But also, we all know that that's you know the exact opposite could happen. And in Monaco, you want to be stopping as little as possible. So, to me, in my head, what you do is what a lot of the other top runners were doing, which is put the harder tire on in case you have to go to the end, because the way that the the way that the racing is there, the tyres aren't giving the guy in front that much of a benefit because he's going to have to save them like he has. And that's what's obviously caused Verstappen to be right on his tail. Mm. Whereas if Lewis had had the harder tyre on and been able to push, I don't think Verstappen would have been anywhere near as close to him and they would have been able to build a gap. And then if another stop does come, they've got breathing space rather than Verstappen being behind them. I just that's where the logic is wrong to me for putting them on the softer tyre. Hmm. Unless they didn't have any decent sets of the hard tyre, I guess. No, they definitely, yeah, they, they had some. I thought they would. They had sets. They had, they had fresh sets of, of hards. Yeah. Um, for me, like, I don't know, I, I, I'm not sure I 100, I, I mean, I think you're right in most aspects of that. I, but the thing I'd say is, going back to my point about is there a wrong tyre to be on, you know, like, they Mercedes probably knew deep down above all that, that, they probably were going to be okay whichever tire they put on because they felt they could defend and they could eke out that life of that tire. I, yeah, I'm kind. Of, I'm, I'm sort of between the two. Like, as you say, you you can hold a lead at Monaco. Like, it doesn't matter if the, you know you're putting on tires that are going to make you three seconds lap slower. As long as you get a decent exit out of um, the right corners, Portier and out of Anthony Nogues, then everyone behind you is also going to be three seconds a lap slower. Like there's, there's just no, there's no way they're going to get past you. But the, the, the main thing was by putting on mediums, they made his life much harder than it needed to be. I mean, yeah. we only heard like little snippets of the team radio and he was a, 
a very unhappy oh. boy. Yeah, the, um, there's a, there's plenty more radio team radio coming in a video. I'm sure from, there is uh, F1 um, <laughs> either today or tomorrow. Probably by the time you listen to this, it should be out. And yeah, he. Uh, I've listened to all of the radio messages and some of them are um, a bit sweary. (laughs) (laughs) Some choice words. Yeah. (laughs) Did you see the video of um, when like Hamilton went into the sort of the room where James and co sit after the race? Yeah. And he doused him in champagne and said, that's for leaving me on mediums for 67 laps. Okay. So I'm done. I don't want to talk too much about tires. So we need to move this on. Um, so at the in the end, um, Verstappen did have a little go at, at Vettel at Hamilton. Oh, goodness, Verstappen did have a little go at Hamilton. Um, what did you think to that? Did you know that little bite he had up the inside at the at the end of the tunnel at the chicane? Did was that it's never going to happen? Was it? No, it's the only place it's going to happen. I think if anything's going to be, yeah. it was a very late and <laughs> optimistic move. Let's yeah. say. He had a little complaint about Hamilton turning on him, but like, oh, yeah, I heard that. It was what, so yeah. like it's he'd barely got a wheel alongside him. Yeah. Like it was Hamilton wasn't just going to get out of his way, was yeah. he? No way. No. I don't think he had any leg to stand on there with that. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, it, it was. I I thought it was all very reserved from Verstappen. I was I was waiting for him to just cream into the back of him and take them both out and Vel win that race. And ha- Verstappen actually played it quite cool and well again kind of goes back to what we were saying last week like this race might prove if this really is the kind of new more chill Verstappen and I guess that's, it kind of has proved that yeah that's true I never thought about it like that yeah. he didn't stick it in the wall in FP3 he didn't cream into the back of Hamilton and take him out he's yeah he's quite a sensible race I suppose yeah well again it, it, we are seeing this season this new Verstappen who is able to keep a cool head, keep a calm head and is maturing into a proper race driver now, isn't he? That's the thing. Like he's, mm. he's got his head yeah. together. He's, he's, t- he's steadily turning into the total package. And I think if he had the right car yeah. underneath him, then he'd be, you know, he'd be right up there. So one thing to look forward to, I guess, is that once, once uh, Ferrari get their act together and Leclerc's leading that team, <laughs> Um, he <laughs> and Verstappen are going to be really, really ding-donging each other, I think, in years to come. Fingers yeah, crossed. that's a rival for the future, yeah, isn't it? for sure. Um, so, coming back to the past, where we are now, uh, <laughs> Hamilton <laughs> Hamilton won um, the race, obviously, by the skin of his teeth. Only seven temps between them um, for most of the time after the pit stops. Um, it didn't get more than like 1.2 seconds, the gap. So for Hamilton to soak up that amount of pressure, the way he did in a car that wouldn't turn <laughs> by the end of the race, the tyres were yeah. absolutely gone. Um, I think it's a pretty champion pretty much a champion's drive from Hamilton there to uh to do what he Absolutely. did. Absolutely. Um Vettel obviously promoted up to P two after Verstappen's penalty and Bottas to P three. Um penalty as we said dropped Verstappen down to P four. Um McLaren interestingly ev- edged clear of the pack in fourth for the constructors. Uh, yeah they're on thirty points now and then nearest team to them is Racing point on seventeen, so it's quite a substantial gap now. Yeah, yeah, amazing racing. But although there's a lot of underperforming teams behind them, I think. Yeah, well, True. Racing Point have got a very underperforming driver, and they're still managing to to get themselves yeah. up into fifth. So it's so, mm. that that midfield pack is so tight, isn't it? 
after McLaren, it is so tight. So you've got Racing Point on 17, Haas on 16, Toro Rosso on 16, Renault on 14, Alfa Romeo on 13. Four and points between a lot of them. That is insane. I know it's always close down there, but that seems a lot closer. And what have Williams got? Williams? I'm sure you're aware what Williams have. Uh, yeah, I think I am, sadly. <laughs> Nilpois. Nilpois. <laughs> While we're doing points standing stats, uh, Hamilton now has only two points less than Ferrari. As a team, yeah. What? Whoa, that's a really good stat. I love that. It, it's, it's not, not good if you're a Ferrari fan. fan. I don't think many of our but, listeners um, are, so... We'll yeah. Okay. It, uh, um. <laughs> um, and one more stat, actually, after this race. Hamilton is now only 15 wins behind Michael Schumacher. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, he is. I, I saw that myself over the weekend. Yeah. 15 it, wins and two titles, and he basically ties all Schumacher's records or, or beats yeah. them. Yeah. That that wind record that Schumacher had like looked untouchable for so many years, and I don't know. There's well, there's 15 races to go this season, isn't there? So you'd expect some point next year he'll probably take that record. Yeah, I can't lie that the era that we're in at the moment with Lewis and Mercedes does feel eerily similar to that of the Schumacher Ferrari era. Um, it's, yeah, where it's not. It's quite, it's quite dominant. Is the only way to put it. Yeah, really. but that's Formula One, isn't it? You do get. I mean, Red Bull. You could say the same about Vettel and Red Bull. Like that. That felt. Yeah. yeah. I, interestingly, I had this conversation with somebody uh, over the last couple of days, and my sort of the reason I think that the Schumacher at Ferrari and Hamilton at Mercedes things feel similar to me, whereas Vettel at Red Bull doesn't, is Vettel at Red Bull nearly always had somebody on his case taking it down to the wire. There was like the year with Alonso, there was the year Jensen wasn't far behind him, there was the year it was Weber. Like they always seemed to be somebody there, whereas there's been a number of years where Lewis has kind of walked away with it to a degree, and even his own teammates not been able to keep him in check. Obviously, this is the year we went to with Rosberg and Rosberg came away with it, but this is the first time since then again that he's really had somebody keeping him in check yeah. with Bottas. So, yeah, definitely. It, that's what. That's the reason I think that the uh, Vettel one doesn't quite fit into the same bracket as the other two. Yeah, it was only really one of Vettel seasons where he properly ran away with it, wasn't it? All yeah. the rest went down to like the last race or two, at least. Yeah, yeah. Bernie specials. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At least we have got. At least we have. I mean, that's the thing to be thankful for this year is Bottas. 2.0 has shown up and he is uh, yeah. taking names. So, and it's, it's very unfortunate not to have finished second this last race. He had a bit of bad luck, and there's no doubt uh, Hamilton will get a bit of bad luck as well as the season goes on. Um, I think it's going to. Sure. I think it's going to stay tight. Just going, you know, we, we talked about it last week in our storylines. I do think it's going to stay tight going all the way up to mid-season. Probably, I, I don't see any of them either. Either side of that garage giving any quarter. Um, no. Uh, a couple more sort of loose ends to tie up. Um, Grosjean's strategy, um, he went from 13th to 10th and he did 50 laps. I, I, I can't believe this. 50 laps on the softest tyre. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It makes Hamilton's complaints about being on the medium look like nothing at all. Does yeah. It really? Do you know what? There was a point where I sort of looked back at both that and then the Kimi one with the 46 laps on them. And I was just thinking to myself, like, what? I guess that shows 
the amount of stress the Mercedes puts through its tyres compared to some of the other cars, if he's struggling so much on those compared to them being able to do almost the same length of stin on the softer compound. It shows a difference in the car physicality, I guess. Yeah, the way the way it works its tyres, yeah. He had really good pace as well. Like to, Towards the end of his stint, he was running fifth, which obviously was largely down to um, all the people that were previously ahead of him taking pit stops. But when he made his stop, he only lost those... Um, like four positions down to ninth. Um, so his pace, even on 50 lap old softs, were, was impressive. Like he didn't have just a whole yeah. train of cars behind him. He's only lost four positions out of that. Wow. Really impressive. Yeah, that is really impressive. In contrast to that, Ricardo's strategy, um, he did pit under the Ugh. safety car um, from sixth and uh, finished the race ninth. Um, what happened th- What happened with his strategy? I, can anyone explain that one to me? I can only imagine they expected more people to pit under that safety car. Yeah. Um, and they just didn't. So as a result, I think he just got caught up behind some much slower cars, so he couldn't really use the pace of those newer tyres. Mm. So as a result, when the people ahead started pitting, they were able to stay ahead of him. Mm. Um, yeah, really unfortunate that. he's He said, like, as soon as he pulled into the pit lane, he instantly kind of... His heart sunk and he's like, I think we've made the wrong call here, um, which proved to be right. Mm. So, Tom, at the start of this, you said you didn't enjoy the race very much. Have I convinced you that it was Um, I wouldn't say I didn't enjoy it. What I I was saying is I don't think it was that exciting. (laughs) Mm. Did you not enjoy the tension of the battle between Hamilton and Verstappen and how, you know, one mistake from Hamilton would have cost him the lead over those 60 odd At no point... Not at no point did I think about it like that just because I knew he had a five-second penalty coming. Had he not had the penalty, maybe. But I think that the penalty kind of put a damper on anything Verstappen was doing for me, um, which was a shame because of my predictions. <laughs> 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 like I, I, I wanted him to get past and I wanted him to try and build a gap. And if he had, maybe that would have changed my mind a little bit. But I always knew in the back of my head he had to make a five-second gap to even make anything of it. So I was always a bit down on that happening. Mm. I think the thing for me was, yes, I agree we had that point where it's like we now have this situation where all these things could happen. But in the back of my mind, I was like... I there's a 99% chance that none of these things are going to happen and the race is going to end in exactly the order they're in now because it's Monaco and that's exactly what happened. Like, yeah. however poised it gets, it's very rare that anything actually happens, mm. um, which is unfortunate. I think my my sort of view on it is a little bit rose-tinted because I only actually saw it when there was things happening um, because I was busy yeah. working during the quiet patches. So it was kind of like... I. I I was I was only really great at it. Yeah, I was kind of half watching it, and from where I was sitting, it looked like a great race. <laughs> I was like really hyped the whole time, and the whole time I was watching it. So I, I think I must have missed just the right bits of it for it to seem like a fantastic Monaco Grand Prix. Um, I th- I think the comment of it being one of the better Monaco races in the last few years is possibly about right, but yeah, it, it did feel awfully. <laughs> it did. F- well, it did feel just awfully similar to Ricardo driving around with half an engine and just <laughs> yes. parking it in the middle of the road the entire time. And granted, I was happy for 
Ricardo to win that race because I felt like he was kind of owed it from the previous year. But it just really annoyed me just seeing Lewis park in a car with no tyres because he'd have been eaten alive any other circuit, and it just frustrates me. But then that's and that's I'm a Mercedes of, fan, and it frustrates me that Lewis won the race. But that's part and of I'm a Mercedes Monaco. Fan. That, that's part of the challenge of Monaco. Is is that's that's part of the Not magic being able of to it. Pass anyone? Well, you know, like <laughs> for me, like. He still had to defend, you know, it's not like it was impossible for Verstappen to get by. You still have to drive the car such that the other person can't get past you. That's part of the appeal of Monaco. And not only Mm -hmm. that, but one mistake while you're doing that on tyres that are absolutely gone, then it would be so easy to make a mistake on those tyres. So the challenge, it it was almost as much driver versus track as it was driver versus tyres and driver versus car behind for me. So that, and that's what the big appeal yeah. for me was like, it's just waiting to see, does he have the grit to get to the end of this race still in the lead? And of course, I'll, I'll give you that. Thank, thank, like thanks. On, on those, it. thanks. <laughs> <laughs> on, on those tires, there was the constant possibility of him just sticking it in a wall. Yeah, Un- unlikely with him, but it was always there as a possibility. You, you could see from when you compare that car to when it put those tires on. If you watch it back, him going around the Lowe's hairpin early doors, and then him going round l- towards the end of the race. That car did not want to turn. That car was only good for going in a straight line. No. His rears were in a bit better <laughs> condition, like then that's why he was able to to pull the gap and, and use the traction where it counted to stop Verstappen getting through. But for me, it's a champion's drive. For me, it was, I enjoyed the race. I enjoy. I do enjoy the spectacle of Monaco anyway. And yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was a banger. <laughs> I enjoyed Saturday most. <laughs> I mean, Saturday. This is yeah. Saturday. Saturday is great fun as well. It's it's one of the only race weekends where you get absolute electrification from from the Saturday as well. Like you oh, yeah. are absolutely buzzed for qualifying in Monaco, and oftentimes I think like I feel like that buzz carries all the way through to the race itself to race proper and it especially does if you get a bit of rain and a bit or a bit of drama like we like we did have so yeah if that rain had come it would have been yeah fantastic yeah so overall a very tense race with uh, Mm. yes mixed emotions from all of us (laughs) sounds of it Um, (laughs) shall we pick a driver of the day yes who's gonna who who wants to nominate first I I want science in there. I'm I'm a little annoyed that science hasn't really been brought up anywhere that I've seen other than by me. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Tom. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm I'm on about in the media, not us. Nobody like pointed out his drive to earn three places. Nobody really seemed to be interested in the fact that he was holding fast his lap for a while and putting in some absolute banging laps. Like he just seemed to go completely unnoticed, and I feel really. Sorry for him. <laughs> it's reminiscent so, of McLaren science. all season, kind of quietly getting yeah. the job done, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chris, have you got a nomination other than Hamilton? Because mine's Hamilton. I Yes, I would agree with you on signs, if not for George, my sweet, sweet boy, Russell, who <laughs> finished 15th on merit in yeah, that Williams. That is true. Um, not only finished 15th was at one point the fastest person on track yeah and if not for Hamilton being so slow he actually probably would have scored some points it's only because the leaders were going so slowly that he ended up getting held up 
So when the people ahead of him pitted, they managed to hold their positions. He actually could have scored some points this weekend. Oh. That was a phenomenal drive from George Russell. Again, a very quiet one that's not really had that much attention. Yeah. But I'd, I'd, no, bring, I'd agree I'd with you. Bring that that's up. Another someone, one. Sh- someone should look at that. Um, you know what? You've convinced me, Chris. I'll give, <laughs> I'll give George Russell driver of the day any day of the week. So I'd, I don't I'd know. I'd be happy with that. So are, you, are you on board? Cool. Well done, George Russell. Um, the official v- award for popularity went to Verstappen, obviously. <laughs> but um, I mean, to be fair, Leclerc came third and he only did yeah, about 10 laps. That, what a joke that is. I'm sorry, but what a joke. Like, the guy crashed his car 16 laps in <laughs> and then destroyed it and retired it and he comes third for driver of the day. Yeah, it's Come so on. silly. Uh, do you think that's Come like an, an ironic vote they've given him? You, you, you made Monaco a, oh. a little bit exciting... You can have my vote. <laughs> that's yeah, an, maybe. Oh, poor Charles at his home race. Let's all vote for him because we feel sorry for him. Yeah, that's I'm what sure that that'll is. make it up for him. Yeah. <laughs> they're, a senti- they're a sentimental bunch, that uh, F1 crowd, aren't they? Um, <laughs> anyone got a move of the day they'd like to discuss? Uh, this one I think Signs can have. Um, his move at the top of the hill on lap one to go around the outside of... I can't remember who it was now. It was a Haas and a Alpha, maybe. Um, but that was kind of the move that set him up to get that uh, yeah. that fifth place. Sorry, sixth place. I've got one that's not on the list if you want to bring up the yeah, other two. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Hit me. So, well, my one that's not on the list is Leclerc on Lando around the inside of the hairpin because he came from a long way back and really made himself known. I, th- I think it was on either the opening lap or lap two, but it was a like a ballsy move um, throwing it up the inside of a rookie in, at Monaco he is on the list but I spelled everything wrong so he probably didn't realise he was on the oh, list alright yeah. <laughs> maybe he is then <laughs> well I guess I'll, I'll make I'll, did, we said science at the start didn't we um, did yeah we? yeah we did um, yeah. we did Leclerc on Grosjean at Rascas as well that was yeah a, that was a good one that was yeah good the one, one that worked <laughs> the one that worked well that was a proper yeah. elbows out and his, uh, his right rear was literally I mean, it was kind of an omen for what was to come because his right rear was pretty much <laughs> brushing the barrier as he went past. I'm pretty sure it left a time yeah. mark on the barrier as he went through. He um, must have done. So, yeah, that for me, that was that was probably my favorite. Science of Start or Leclerc on Grosjean. Or Leclerc on the on the head. Any of those three, I think. I'm, I'm kind of hung on, on the three of them. Well, there are only over, uh, 18 overtakes in the entire race, and that includes overtakes... Uh, in the pit lane so we haven't got that many to choose from no wow <laughs> should science get it for maybe getting two of those in one go then i think it's science for me the the leclerc at the hairpin one was impressive because you you never see clean passes at the hairpin and he actually somehow managed it um but i think i'm leaning towards science let's do it cool yeah i, I can i can give you signs then i'll i'll uh yeah i'll, I'll go for that um the final, uh, the final award that we're going to award this week. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? <laughs> still, still, still tickles me, you know that. <laughs> um, uh, we've got, I've got a couple. Um, the first, I mean, there's a bit. There's an obvious one, which is uh, the Ferrari strategy um, in qualifying for Leclerc was just a shambles. <laughs> so, yeah. That's one option. Um, I feel like, like when we build the document for the podcast every week, just like parting the curtain a little bit here. Like when we just go back and copy and paste some stuff from the previous one for the structure. 
I feel like at this point we might as well start <laughs> copy and pasting Ferrari strategy into this section because yeah. we just say every single week now. Um, yeah, so that that's a thing. Um, then also I've got um, Giovinazzi's move on Qubit, so I think that was a silly move that should yeah, never have even talked. been going yeah, for that. Spoke, spoke at length about that. Um, my other one that I've got, which is, I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was during the safety car, yeah, the marshals yeah. were out picking up the debris and Perez nearly took two of them out. Um, and it wasn't Perez's fault at all. The, 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 the marshals were in the wrong place at the wrong time, absolutely in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um what it's what it looked like to me from where I was sitting that it, they were so desperate to get everything cleaned up and make a really short safety car period that it looked like they sent the marshals out to clean up the debris before the cars had formed up into the crocodile kind of thing into the into a line yeah. behind the safety car. So there were a few stray cars still coming through and Perez being one of them, literally, there was like a, a, a Perez-sized gap between these two yeah. marshals, and he went through them. One of them was so close to the car that the breeze off the back of the car knocked him over. Did you see that? Yeah. No. So the, guy, the video. Well, it's like a private video from yeah. uh, somebody that was spectating up on the balcony. Is it that one you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, it's exactly that one. Yeah. yeah. You see the car go by and it's almost like the guy is pushed by a ghost and he just tumbles yeah. down to the ground. It's really bizarre to look at. Oh, but you can scary. you really, really can see the wind push him. It's crazy. You've got um, to remember they're doing like eighty kilometers an hour or whatever it is coming out of there, aren't they? Even yeah. behind the safety car, like that's that's some serious speed and the shape and like the protrusions on an f1 car are going to make anything that happens much worse as well like they're really lucky that he managed to get between them the pair of them that could have yeah. been so much worse so yeah. much worse. yeah it was good and you won't see I think it's a... you won't see that one on formula1.com either i'm afraid no <laughs> yeah it's it's especially like glaring because the monaco uh marshals are like renowned as being the absolute best in the world like they are just so on top of things and work so quickly all the time i don't know if you guys watched the um formula e race in monaco but there was a, a crash at turn one there and there was a car just stranded in the middle of the track by the time the leaders came around for the next lap it was gone like just literally yeah. blinked and the car was just gone yeah. like they work so quickly but yeah yeah this was this was the kind of thing that you expect to see from marshals in countries hosting their first race yeah oh, i thought you were gonna go specifics there there was a there was a door open for you there chris <laughs> for azerbaijan it's their first race or second or indeed third <laughs> oh, dear. at least they didn't crash any trucks into any bridges <laughs> uh so who are we giving it to i think i think we have to give this one it's, you shouldn't really give it to the marshals because they are putting themselves at risk but Whoever I think was in charge scenario. of that situation, like, yeah, that's yeah. That, I think yeah, not rewarding it to individuals, but for that scenario to unfold, as, as Tom says, I think that has to get the WTF award because it, it really is one of those moments that makes you gasp. Yeah, that it could have gone so much worse as well. Yeah, it could have been really nasty. So I mean, all that happened was the guy took a bit of a tumble, got up, and and sort of found his way back to the the post. But oh, it's it's oh no, don't bear thinking about. Um, so that's that one um, I'm just going to tie up a few storylines really quickly before we go into um, the next bit um, we asked will Bottas be able to keep up the tit for tat results I think he more or less has hasn't he just about 
Yeah, he'd have been a bit closer if not for Verstappen. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, can Verstappen finally have a clean weekend at Monaco? Well, uh, truthfully, the answer's probably not yeah. quite. <laughs> he, he's well, been no, a lot more a... neat. He's been a bit more neat and tidy, but he's still been Verstappen involved drama. He did get himself that penalty. <laughs> well, yeah. his, t- his team yeah. got him the penalty. Yeah, he didn't stick it in a wall, so I think we'll yeah. call that a tick. Okay, well, okay, we'll take that one off. Um, what's the next one? Will Red Bull have the advantage? The advantage we've been used to here. That Red Bull were strong here. There's no doubt about yeah. that. Um, that. He looked like he might have even been able to snatch pole at one point, um, but not quite the advantage that they've seen in the past. But still, they were strong. It is still, you know, it's still a Red Bull track, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. yeah. Um, how will the rookies handle the tight streets? We asked. Well, George Russell, he absolutely nailed them by the sounds of it. Not that you saw it. Yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> Albon as well, actually. We didn't, we've not mentioned oh, Albon, but yeah. he um, qualified 10th, finished 8th. Yeah, um, nice. Gained positions. Decent drive himself. Yeah. Yep. And uh, the final one was um, about Ricardo. Would he bring the best out of the Renault? I think Ricardo probably did bring the best out of the Renault. To certainly to be mm-hmm. starting where he did, but unfortunately the team just let him down on this occasion by picking the wrong strategy. So Renault um, didn't yeah. bring the best out of the Renault. Yeah, I think he did the best that he could with it. Yeah, I think uh, probably yeah he, he did the best with bad situation, didn't he? That's it. and a and a, yeah. a not great car. Um, so that's it for sto- the storylines tied up. We'll have more storylines for you next week. Um, just gonna- one thing that I wanted to point out before we move away from the race and onto everything else. Um, did anybody else notice how solidly in the top ten Hondas were this weekend? Just yeah. like, like oh, yeah. all all the Honda powered cars, the, well, the Red Bulls and the Toro Rossos, but they all looked very solid this week, and it's it feels like a good week for those Honda engines because well, it's not a power track, is it? It's a no, but I just think it's a nice landmark for them to be getting all four cars so solidly into the points and yeah. beating like the Haas, the Renault, and and so on that have got what is arguably a better powertrain in the back. And I know it's not a power dependent circuit, but I just think it's a, a nice point for them to be able to take yeah, away. Yeah, it's th- they're, they're maximizing a, a potential good weekend for them. It looks like, doesn't it? Yeah from these yeah. results. So we've got a 4 for 5th for the two Red Bulls and a 7 for 8 for the two Toro Rossos. So yeah, I mean, you can't really ask for more than that. The two Toro Rossos, those Toro Rossos are quick cars as well. There's no yeah. doubt about that. They, they're very uh, efficient, grippy cars, I'd say. Um, mm. yeah. The last time there were four Honda-powered cars in the points was 1987. There you go. Fun fact, Chris. He's full of them today, isn't he? Um, he is on form. <laughs> right, shall we have a really quick Indy 500 chat? Because that that small event happened as well this weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little race uh, over across yeah. the pond. Um, so, Chris, you watched it as well. I, I sort of half, just like I half watched Monaco, I half watched Indy. Um, <laughs> I watched about the last... 50 laps live i think which yeah. from what you've said sounds like i watched most of the action <laughs> yeah you, you got in yeah, there at the much. right point for sure so um uh i'm gonna go straight i'm just gonna give it all because we're not gonna stay too long on it we don't have time but um simon Don't dwell on it simon page is it guys is it page node <laughs> <laughs> simon page node page node simon page node simon pagino um to pronounce his name 
the correct way. Um, and Alexander Rossi with a big talking points at the end of the race, dueling for the win. Um, Alexander Rossi actually had a pretty shaky pit stop with a, a fuel pump failure. Um, and it was gut wrenching to see like the, the you've, they've got cameras on top of the cars that look all around the car in IndyCar. And they rotated the camera around to look at the, the guy with the fuel pump pumping the uh, fuel into the car. <laughs> and this guy, like, you've never seen someone with such anxiety in all your life. It was horrible. <laughs> but this guy is just, like, pushing this fuel pump, pushing things on it, trying to get the thing in the slot, just <laughs> shaking his head. Like, you can see the despondence. And Rossi's, like, in the camera cuts away, Rossi's in the car, like, nodding his head backwards and forwards, banging his hand on his steering wheel, getting all frustrated, obviously, because he wants to be going. He's losing positions. He's got a potential win lined up. But um, a red flag caused by a... I've written bug accident, but I actually meant to write big accident. <laughs> um, um, between Borde and Rahal... Um, catching Rosenquist and Veach um, brought out the red flags. So it meant that Alexander Rossi was brought right back into the race. Um, after those red flags, Rossi came out, I think, in sixth place with Paginot still in the lead. Am I right in yeah. saying that? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was kind of Paginot and one of the other Pence drivers were the top yeah, two and they were just teammate. kind of pulling each other around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, Alexander Rossi put in the drive of his life to uh, to catch up yeah. to the leader and did actually take the lead for a for a brief while. And they swapped the lead in the closing laps, but Simon Paginot would do enough to eventually take the spoils um, at the brickyard. And uh, he was the one kissing the bricks at the end of the day. Drinking some of that fine, fine milk. Yeah, that, that sweet, <laughs> he- sweet white nectar. <laughs> Yeah. I enjoy that he completely just broke all of the protocol as well. Like, there's like a, a set thing, like, this is what the winner does at the end. And I've got like a little platform and stuff, and you have the rosette. And he just didn't even bother going the pit lane, parks on the start for any straight, got out of his car and started waving to the crowd. And you could see everyone kind of stood around going, um, He's supposed to be here by now. What do we do? Where do we do this? <laughs> like the person with the trophy and the wreath just holding them, looking really awkward. <laughs> I didn't see that. I, I was just, <laughs> was, oh, dear. That's very funny. entertaining. Um, also worth mentioning Takuma Sato, who came third. Um, he kind of mm. came out of nowhere in the closing stages to... Uh, he actually looked like he might be fighting for the lead towards the end. Um, impressive race from him as well. Yeah, yeah. it was. Re- he did look like he was He was right on the tail of the two leaders. It, it looked like he was sort of trying to wait just to see if one of them was going to cause yeah. the other one to have an issue and then him sort yeah. of jump in and burgle the win. But um, it didn't <laughs> quite come off for him. But it was, yeah, it was a great last 50 laps to watch. Really, really exciting. Yeah, so. it was really good. We always say this about Indy 500 and, and IndyCar in general is actually really, really good fun to watch. Um, and despite what you think about it, it's not all just turning left. It's not all ovals. Uh, nearly half of the tracks this season are proper race circuits. So, And it's all on um, on British TV if, you, if you're in Britain watching it. So oh, British yeah. pay TV. But still, if you're paying for Formula hmm. 1, you get all the indie stuff for free already so it. say it's a lot easier to watch for once isn't it this year yeah 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 if you're um, british and paying for that subscription anyway yeah <laughs> so uh, without without advertising too much um check it out <laughs> um shall we do some predictions or shall yeah, we yeah is uh, is read out the results of predictions i should say <laughs> yes it was quite an interesting week actually um so i'll do us first uh Tom very boldly called his shot two weeks ago. Um, Nearly and paid it didn't off. Quite, 
<laughs> yeah, nearly. nearly. <laughs> but he didn't. Um, unfortunately, Tom got zero points this week. Uh, I got... Oh, I've highlighted the wrong thing there. Um, I got two points for Hamilton, fastest and winner. Uh, and Stu got three points for Hamilton, Hamilton. I also got uh, a random driver correct, which was... Who was our random driver last week? It was... Lando. Norris. It was Lando Norris, uh, who Stu correctly predicted in 11th place. Did I? Um... You did, yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing. So I got three points. You did, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I highlighted the table wrong. You actually got three and I got two. Um, <laughs> nice one. Uh, the high score this week was uh, from Chris Mannering and Matthew Goff, who both got three and a half points. Uh, and they were followed by loads of people who all got three points, who actually all got the same three points as well. They all got Hamilton, Hamilton and Norris's uh, correct finishing part, position. Part of my Ham Ham um, Nor crew. Yes, Ham Ham Nor crew. Uh, weirdly, nobody had Leclerc as first DNF, and because there were no other DNFs that race, no one got any points in that column this week, um, and no one got uh, 19 finishes either. So we had a few half points for uh, 18th. Um, so overall, Neil Hyde is still on top with 13 points. Uh, Tom Monk second with 11, uh, and Max Kooten, who's closed the gap quite a bit this week. Actually, uh, he's just half a point behind now on 10 and a half. So it's all super duper close at the top. Uh, Stu, you're up to 45th now on six points. Um, I've actually jumped ahead of Tom this week now. I'm 66th on five points, and Tom, you're 94th on four points. So we're all Terrible still very close weekend. together. Yeah, still still reasonably close together. Yeah, so. only two points covering all three of us. Uh, shall we move to the inbox? Yes, let's open up that inbox box box. First this week, we have Stephen Barlow, who said, yet again, Honda had uh, good finishes. Do we think they could be winning races soon and be in with the title shot next year? Um, If not by 2021, would Max move on? And a secondary question as well of, will Charles Leclerc be losing his trust in the team as Ferrari keep making mistakes for both drivers? Ooh, um, where do we start? I stole the Honda thing about do we Honda think they thing, can win races and get in the title fight? To be honest, I think much like Renault, 2021 is probably when they are targeting to be regularly winning the game because that's like the regulation change. Um, yeah. Max Max is going nowhere. He is, he is that team and that team is him at this point. Yeah, I can't see him going anywhere anytime soon. I think I agree, yeah. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be getting title race contenders from Honda anytime in the next year. But I think they, I do think they could be winning a race, though. I think they could win a race. They, they could nick a race this year. Um, yeah, I think so. And then on on Charles losing his trust in the team, I, I did, that did occur to me today. Uh, not today, um, over, I think, Saturday. When, when they made that strategy error, I did think, and you could see it on his face. He he does look very frustrated inside that team at the minute. So, um, mm. yeah, if, if if a Mercedes or Red Bull driver was to come available, I'm sure he'd be. Uh, I'm sure his ears would be at least tingling a little bit for it. Well, the Italian hmm. media seem to think so. Yeah, have you seen? I don't know if you've seen what they've been publishing, but I, I try not to. <laughs> it's um, it's funny. <laughs> love a bit of drama what is it what yeah. what what are they saying just that they're basically he's... saying that his agents are out looking for other drivers because that them and him are sick of ferrari already well, that's I mean, what could they're you, could, 
could you blame them if they? I, I don't. I probably don't quite believe that. But if if that was the case, I don't think I could blame them. Yeah, I don't think it is happening. But the, the thing is, an agent's always looking for the best drive and the best deal, isn't it? So yeah, that's yeah, true. true. Yeah. That bit of it probably is true, but I think it's just all getting blown out of proportion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Brooke Archer is the next one. She says, um, if Hamilton had let Verstappen pass, would Verstappen have had the time to get that five-second gap and make the podium? Or was it the right call to hold him up like he did? Is this the end of Ferrari, or are we going to see this some kind of redemption? It breaks my heart seeing this. You're not alone, Brooke. Um, and then there's another <laughs> one along the sim- along similar lines from Alex Thompson, who says, "Do you think Verstappen would have got Hamilton had he not been in the wrong engine talk? Oh yes, the wrong engine talk mode setting after getting to change it during his pits pit lane clash with Bottas. Interesting that he couldn't change it back on the track only in the pits. Assume this is to do with speed, etc. Yeah, that was an interesting one. Um, firstly, to answer the question of the gap, I think Verstappen would have, if he could have got ahead quick smart, then I think he would have pulled a gap. Do you guys think that? I think he looked like he had yeah. the pace to do it, yeah. Um, he probably would have needed like a good... 10 laps or so I think like but I think I, would, I'm pretty sure he could have pulled out 5 seconds over the course of 10 laps I reckon it wouldn't be that I could have done it in 5 laps I think it would have been less than 5 potentially. laps yeah, those potentially. tyres were gone man he would have easily done it in yeah. less than 5 laps yeah definitely and then on the other thing the uh, the talk mode did you guys read about that yeah I did so it sounds like he was supposed to make a change to his talk settings while he was in on the way out of the pit lane, but because he was busy crashing into Bottas, he forgot to do it. Um, and yeah, I assume that's something you can only do at low speed, which is why you couldn't do it on the track, perhaps, or something you can only do while you're running through the pit lane. I don't really fully understand why he was stuck with that setting. Yeah, I don't understand that either. It seemed, it does seem a bit strange for him to only be able to change that in the pit lane because there's plenty of slow places yeah on the track where you could do it so I, maybe something to do with the pit limiter perhaps maybe i think it's something i think it's probably something that's going to come become clear over the next sort of couple of days or weeks i don't think it's something yeah. we'll be able to get to the bottom of um tonight <laughs> that's for sure today that's <laughs> for sure. as to whether it would have made a difference to the race I mean, Ricardo was missing 160 horsepower last year and won the race, so I don't think a slightly wrong torque mode setting would have made much difference at all. Mm. I think it was more to do with the delivery of the power. If I if I remember rightly, I think it's to do with the mapping, the thro- essentially the throttle mapping. So as he as he pushes it, if, as he pushes the throttle down, it's like it gives you less turbo turbo lag. So you get a bigger, you get more pull from the engine at a different point as yeah. on the distance of the pedal that you've pressed. So if you, you'd have to press it, let it, I think it effectively made the throttle pedal slightly more sensitive, which made the car more difficult to drive. And he had to, he had to drive around it. But um, mm. on the question, yeah, on the question of why it, why you couldn't change that out on track, I, I don't know the answer to that one. No, it's really interesting that. Mm. Uh, next, we have uh, KMengen95, who says, at what point do we admit that Ferrari are now out of this championship? Hamilton has 137 points to Ferrari's 139. 
Um, and he also says, with the announcement that IndyCar will run an aero screen from 2020, is it time for F1 to reconsider this option? An aero screen that, for the record, is a halo with a PVC outer shell. <laughs> this is exactly why I included that second part of the question, because I've seen a lot of people asking the same thing. Um, why don't F1 do the aero screen if IndyCar can do it? But yeah, as Tom says, if you take off that perspex from the outside, wherever it is, it's almost an identical halo underneath it. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's basically the same thing. Um, it is interesting that Red Bull are manufacturing the halo and aero screen for IndyCar. Hmm. Yeah, it, yeah. It's not that dissimilar to the thing that got vetoed that Ferrari tested. No, it, not at all. But it's definitely more of a halo with a wrap around than it is the aero screen that was tested in F1. Um, yeah but see how it works because obviously if it works and it's proven to work then I think much like the Halo was introduced into many other series once it was instigated within F1 I think that whatever's learned from that being running IndyCar will filter down into other series and potentially cross into F1 Um, because driver safety is always paramount isn't it like we we say this all the time and it's one of the first considerations with these things. And um, I think if the drivers see it working and they see it in action and other people are happy with it, they're much more inclined to go along with it from their own point of view, exactly the same as you know they were with the Halo. Didn't like it at first, but how many of those other oh, Halo's horrible discussions do we have now? None. Yeah, exactly. So, um, it's just people get over that stuff. Yeah, well, people just stop noticing, don't they? That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. While we're talking IndyCar safety, actually, briefly, um, it's worth mentioning that I think this uh, IndyCar this year, sort of, sorry, the Indy 500 this year across the race and qualifying, I think I'm right in saying not a single car in any of the crashes ended up uh, taking off or flipping over, um, mm. which is a direct result of the design of this current chassis, which has kind of basically these big holes built in the floor that are designed to allow the air to rush through when a car rises up to stop them just being flipped. And they have basically all ended up back in their wheels game, which is an amazing bit of design around safety. Yeah, I think you saw that with the crash we talked about earlier because of Bourdais. Like, he rode up that wall and maybe in a previous chassis, like you say, that if the air had have caught underneath that, he could have gone up and over Just flipped. Um, And I think the science is there to be proven, but I think that is down to some of the design changes that you've talked about there, for sure. Yeah. Abby says, with Williams not finishing as the last two cars on the grid, will we start to see them climb up positions on track where speed is less important? Does this mean the Williams is better than we thought, or can we not say as Monaco is a little in a league of its own? Um, I don't It's tricky. We- I mean... I don't think we can say. I think Monaco's its own. It's a different beast. I think we'll get to the next it race is, and they'll yeah. be struggling again because it's a well, it's a high speed track. The next it's Canada next, so they're gonna they are gonna struggle there. Um, but they've got the Mercedes engine. It's quite stop start, so we'll see. But I I, 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 I certainly wouldn't take this as the. Um, sadly, I wouldn't take this as the rise and rise of Williams. No, it's it's definitely another positive step they made. They yeah. were much closer in qualifying than they've been for most of the race this year. And as we've said, Russell managed to 
hustle his way up to 15th. George Hustle. Um, <laughs> nice. But yeah, I, I do think I do think they're going to struggle in Canada. Like It's the kind of medium to high-speed era, which I think is more of their issue. Yeah, agree. Duncan Monday says, do you think Alfa Romeo will have a similar development trajectory to last year and start to gain ground on McLaren? Um Hmm, that's an interesting question. I think they probably will, won't they? They're probably they've got some good funding. They've got some good people there. Um, they should start eating into that that sort of midfield. It's very close in that midfield, so I'd like to see that happen. You'd hope so. I mean, you'd have hoped with them being a full alpha team and not just kind of the sponsored thing that they would have not taken as long to like start making those gains because last year it was basically the second half of the season when they really came alive, wasn't it? Yeah, and mm. I'd have hoped they'd have been making those gains a lot quicker this year, which doesn't seem to have happened. But yeah, I do. I definitely think they're going to close the gap as the season goes on. Uh, next from Tim Rust, uh, do you think Ferrari's biggest strategy mistake this year was employing Leclerc? <laughs> uh, it's destabilized Vettel as we knew it would. He's always struggled with a competitive teammate, and virtually every strategy mistake this season has been due to having two drivers vying for the lead position. Uh, Ferrari historically succeeded when they had a clear number one driver, think Schumacher and Barrichello. So what is the logic of employing two lead level drivers? Uh, also, Leclerc has struggled with promotion thus far. Would Ferrari have done better to leave Leclerc in a relatively competitive mid-table team to gain experience and maturity while focusing on Vettel in what could be his last year in F1? Mm. It's a very interesting question, that. It's interesting, but... I have to disagree with Leclerc struggling with it, that that part of it particularly, because I don't necessarily think he has. Like his performance in Bahrain, just as a as a specific example, he was only let down by a failing car there. He was outstanding in that race for me. Like yeah, he, he was, should have he was yeah, running everyone else robbed. out of the park. And so he need he needs to be able I think he's at a similar point to what we've seen Max in the past. Maybe not in this exactly the same way, but Max has needed to grab that maturity, learn to take things on the chin sometimes, and learn to stay cool in difficult situations. And that pressure of being in a Ferrari seat is probably having a similar impact on Leclerc. And he just needs to get a grip on it, same as Max has over the last yeah, year or two. Yeah, like the 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 thing the thing with it is is he's he is a young driver. He's he's only in his second season in Formula One. He is going to make a number of mistakes this year, mm-hmm. and he he made a one or two mistakes. He was actually really good last year, but he did make a few mistakes last year. Um, it's it, I guess like the real fear I have is. These mis- the, he is going to make the mistakes, and because he's at Ferrari, are Ferrari going to get cold feet and kick him yeah. out early? Yeah, that's what I worry about. But I expect um, him to make mistakes, though. I think it's and I think it's fine for him to do that. Oh, completely. Yeah. And I think going back to Ferrari having him in the team in the first place, like yes, he was part of the Ferrari, uh, Ferrari Young Driver Academy, but we don't know what that meant in terms of contracts. And you know, once he started performing last year, every other team had people circling around him. Mm. So I think Ferrari kind of had to throw their weight behind him at the point they did. Otherwise, they'd have ended up losing him to another team. Yeah, possibly. And the, the last thing Ferrari want is to be being beaten by one of their former drivers. Yeah. Yeah, that's very that's very true. What else is in there? Um, 
uh, Vettel, Vettel, destabilizing Vettel. I feel like Vettel was already unstable before Leclerc joined. <laughs> I feel like he had a really unstable season last year. I, I, it's harsh to say, but honestly, like I really don't think he's the driver that he was sort of three or four years ago. I, I think like he's got bigger problems than Leclerc at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's all I really have to say on this. I just, I just feel like he's maybe losing it. You know, he had a number of silly mistakes. He was making the mistakes that you'd expect Leclerc to be making last year. He was making those mistakes. So you don't Do expect you know what's a four-time world champion to be making those mistakes. Go on, Chris. No. What is interesting off the back of like him and Leclerc's kind of relationship and destabilization and stuff, Vettel finished second. That's his best yeah, result of the that's season. That's true, yeah. actually. We're being In the race where his teammate was starting a mile back down the road and was never going to get near to him. So maybe yeah. not seeing another red car near him helped yeah. him uh, keep his head a little bit. Who knows? Getting the red mist. That's what Leclerc <laughs> had, the red mist. Um, yeah. It is wild that after that, like a really anonymous race from Vettel was the best result I've had all season. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, and then to round us off, we've got one more uh, from the writing equivalent of Lance Stroll, Ooh. which is a multi-named um, writer with very opinionated opinions. Oh, no. oh, <laughs> so, oh, what has he said? Here we go. Oh, no. Here we go. Um, okay, Lewis Hamilton established himself once again as the best driver since Schumacher and one of the best of all time. What a way to make a terrible race watchable. Um, yeah. Also, shout out to Lance Stroll for a masterclass on being Lance Stroll. He realized yeah. that Monaco is so boring, so he decided to be an incompetent dullard the entire race. Oh. And I applaud that initiative. My question is, does Lance have something against Finns? He seemed dead set on ruining their races. Um, and I'm wondering if Kimmy or Valtteri stole a girlfriend or stepped on his welcome mat made of money and forgot to wipe their shoes. <laughs> oh. uh, who doesn't like the finish? Like, <laughs> they all seem like very nice people. He did seem magnetically attracted to them this weekend, though. Yeah. As we, we've already spent some of this podcast having a go at Lance Stroll. I kind of don't want to do it anymore. No, yeah, <laughs> we are harsh on him a lot. But, but then, you know, he does draw this criticism, doesn't he? He does make these mistakes, gets in people's way. I will, I just, I'll, re- I'll say it one more time. I, I haven't seen a driver more out of their depth in a long time than what I saw Stroll in that race. I, I really, really thought no. he was just tripping over himself quite a lot yeah. in that race. So, um, uh, and he, even for Lance Stroll, he did look a lot, a long way off the pace. And his teammate is absolutely hammering him. How that team are in fifth in the constructors? If they had a really, really good driver on their side to go to uh, to Perez's level, then in theory they'd be on double the amount of points. Surely. Well, Perez yeah. has scored thirteen of their seventeen points this season. Mm. There you go. It's it's a shame because after. The time he did so well at Baku, and it was a bit like, ah, here's to the doubters. I, I know it was an incident-filled race and stuff, and he kind of rode his luck a little bit to get there. But the fact is, he did that, and he got there. Yeah, it was like a sign of things to come, I'd hoped, but then he never appears to have built on that at any point since. And if anything, he's gone downhill since there. Um, and like you say, it looks out of his depth. And I don't think that what we saw, it almost reminds me a little bit of that time Maldonado won a race 
<laughs> is all I'll say. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't put him on Maldonado. Like, he's not. He's not causing. He's not. You know, driving dangerously and causing crashes. He's just being slow. I think is the thing. Like that's. I think that's more the, 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 the position was unjustified in Baku. Same as. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't take an F one win away from Maldonado because <laughs> I um I have never got one myself, but still. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, like although Daddy Stroll is putting lots into that team, well, he co owns the team, it's not just him. Like he's part of a a group of people that run that team, and I think yeah. there's gonna be some difficult conversations in within that team. <laughs> around the dinner the table. <laughs> yeah. Um yep. Yeah, like uh, it can't go on. It ca- that cannot go on. They're losing points hand over fist. That team, and it's because the their two drivers aren't well enough matched. So I say get Stroll out and get Esteban Ocon in there. Surely he needs to get us get yeah, him that's, back. That is <laughs> the worst part, isn't it? Yeah, they had a Ocon great sat driver. There with their seat right now. Yeah, they had, they had a great driver last season, and <laughs> it's frustrating. Yeah, but at least. At least this season, their two drivers aren't crashing into each other every opportunity. As it were, they're nowhere near each other, are they? That's why. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the main reason why. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, <laughs> I think that's all. On that note, I think that's all we've had time for this week. Um, uh, if you have a message or a Ramon or a gripe, you can um, contact us on all of our social channels. Uh, we're on Twitter at Back of the Grid F1. We're on Facebook um, by searching for Back of the Grid. You can find us at Instagram at Back of the Grid. And uh, you can find us on our website, backofthegrid.com, um, where you can also submit your predictions. Join us next week when we'll be looking ahead to the Canadian Grand Prix. Um hey. I- I hope you liked this episode of Back of the Grid. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Yay, I did an outro that works, finally. It's only taken three years. First try.